everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Techspansive. I'm Sean Dubrovac from Avrio Institute. And I'm Ross Rubin at Radical Research. Uh, big news, though, what I would also consider unsurprising news coming out of the world of iOS 14.5, the newest update of the, uh, the iOS uh, operating system. Flurry Analytics is reporting that 96% of U.S. users are, surprise, surprise, opting out of app tracking in iOS 14.5. As you'll recall, one of the big updates for the uh, iOS 14.5 is that it allows you to opt out of app tracking uh, across apps and uh, as we all expected, certainly as Facebook anticipated and, and others anticipated, um, most of us are are doing that. And I even wonder if the 4% of us who aren't doing that are doing that by accident. They get the alert and they just hit the button, not realizing what uh, they have just agreed to. Yeah, I mean, uh, this was uh, essentially Facebook's nightmare. Uh, and uh, as the months have rolled by since the initial announcement, it's been interesting to see Zuckerberg go through, you know, kind of the business uh, version of the you know, seven stages of, of grieving uh, that, you know, Elizabeth uh, Kubler-Ross uh, has, uh, uh, has, uh, has become famous for, uh, for pioneering. And, uh, you know, it's gone from kind of, you know, denial to arguing to acceptance and uh, I, I may not have gotten those in the right order, so uh, apologies to uh, to to those uh, more steeped in in her work. But um, you know, but but it's definitely a, a challenge uh, for for uh, Facebook and apps like Facebook. And uh, and even worse, you know, it looks like uh, Google is now starting to uh, look at greater app transparency in Android. So. I don't think that they're necessarily uh, offering this um, opt-in uh, opt-in requirement uh, that uh, that uh, that uh, Apple is is uh, mandating uh, when when you load an app, but um, <clears throat> but uh, but they're you know kind of trending that way. So uh, this is obviously going to pose a, a challenge for businesses that are based on consumer data and uh, Facebook is just going to have to adapt uh, and it has already started to bake in uh, what it anticipates will be some of the fallout from these decisions in terms of its uh, you know future financial guidance. I actually think that this doesn't end up hurting Facebook as much as Facebook thinks it will hurt them mm. because ultimately I think Facebook will uh, will adjust. And as you alluded to, Ross, they're already starting that adjustment. What this means for Facebook is that uh, the value is to keep users on the platform because then those users become much more valuable to advertisers. And so you do that by building out a suite of offerings that users want to use. And you can kind of think back to the, the original days of the website with YouTube trying to uh, not with YouTube, with Yahoo trying to keep you on the Yahoo platform and in the Yahoo ecosystem by giving you sports scores and stock updates and news alerts and all of these other things, email, of course. And so 
Uh, Facebook's already been moving in, in this direction. Keep you on platform. Uh, that We saw this week there was uh, so, some um, commentary that they are going to start to test live audio rooms with a handful of public figures and creators in Taiwan and, and ultimately planning to bring audio rooms to Facebook groups. Uh, they were moving away from the news feed as it, as it were uh, now for some time trying to build out this, these group settings. And so I think you're going to see Facebook continue to build out things they think we want. Now, if people don't end up using those, then, then I think they're in trouble, but we saw that they're going to bring podcasts to the platform and other things like that. Then the next big step is to let people transact inside of the, the Facebook platform. So, well, and, and that's where you run into trouble, right? Because once transactions start to come into play, uh, Apple is going to look at those as potentially in-app purchases uh, and, you know, it could be subject to their regulations. Again, uh, you, you start to get into the kind of dispute that uh, Epic Games is having with, uh, with Apple, uh, where Apple says that Fortnite is a game and Epic says, no, it's, it's a metaverse, you know, and we have concerts in Fortnite and there's all these things that we're looking to do in the platform uh, to, to provide a, a very diverse experience and drive engagement. And so we want to be able to, uh, you know, be, uh, be free of, of, some some of these uh, app store rules. Uh, you've also seen Snapchat uh, announced recently that it's bringing games to the platform. This was something that <clears throat> Facebook uh, tried to do with a free game service, and Apple knocked it down. You know, said no. If you're going to offer games, each game has to be individually listed on the app store. So you know, it, it seems to me that. Snapchat is setting itself up for the same kind of showdown. So, so yeah, uh, you know, ad-based uh, engagement. There's, I agree with you, Sean. That there's a lot they can do there, but um, but it, you know, once once you get to that transactions level, uh, that's where Apple has, you know, historically uh, drawn the line. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Certainly, Apple is watching the uh, Epic Apple lawsuit very closely to give them a sense of, of where they might go. And, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they do that. I mean, if you look at Facebook marketplace, uh, those are essentially peer to peer transactions, right. many of them not happening in the digital space. Uh, but, but happening um, eBay is transactions that are taking right. place. Good point. Good point. I and mean, digital Apple, transactions. Yeah. Apple doesn't seem to be uh uh, taking 30% of, of those. Right, or on the Amazon app. Right, uh, or, or Amazon or other places. Um, it, but we'll see if they, if they change that. I and mean, we did see some interesting news this week from eBay that they announced that they would start to allow NFTs to be sold on their platform and they'll be adding new capabilities. So you are seeing transactions move from what, what ultimately are physical goods to, uh, you know, to digital goods. So uh, it will be interesting to see. Uh, we, we did see earnings this week also from Unity. Uh, Unity announcing that, uh, again, kind of reiterating that the IDFA from, from Apple will, uh, 
influence their earnings by a, a, about $30 million reduction in, in 2021. So they see it impacting them. And, and inevitably, it will hurt Facebook. It definitely ch- fundamentally changes their business model. But I think they are uh, extremely large and they have a, a longer runway than they think to make some of these, these changes. In other news this week, we saw a, uh, in this week's internet spat, tech spat. And the platform spat. <laughs> yeah, battle against uh, the, the, the tech titans and the, the smaller uh, tech well, ex- except, players. Except you know, this, in this one, it's a little bit reversed. Uh, right. Kind of, we, yeah, in terms of who's owning the platform. So we have uh, Roku and YouTube battling it out over, uh, ultimately over carrying the, uh, the YouTube TV app. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we've talked uh, on the podcast before. Uh, we, we spoke quite a bit about the, uh, the negotiations between Roku and HBO Max uh, and uh, how Roku has really grown into this uh, advertising giant. Uh, its ambitions keep growing. It uh, recently announced uh, that the Quibi catalog that it had acquired uh, is uh, now available as Roku Originals, uh, and uh, it seems certain that they're going to acquire more content. Uh, this, uh, this conflict is around YouTube TV, and there have been a lot of things alleged, but one of the things that uh, seem, seems to be established is that YouTube wants Roku to adopt a new video codec that uh, YouTube uh, is uh, using. Uh, it's almost uh, certainly AV1, uh, which is a, a new video codec that is enjoying widespread uh, support among uh, many companies. And uh, Roku is reluctant to do that because it won't run well on its uh, lower end devices. You know, a lot of the Roku boxes are quite inexpensive, uh, you know, some uh, well under $50. Uh, and uh, Roku has also done a very good job of maintaining uh, older devices uh, with the newest system software. So, uh, for example, they recently uh, added, uh, uh, rolled out a new version of the, uh, the, their operating system, uh, OS X, uh, not to be confused with Mac OS X, and uh, offered support, you know, going back uh, years and years uh, to, to very early Roku boxes. So, so that, you know, explains one reason why they would be reluctant to adopt this, uh, this new, uh, th- this new uh, video technology. Uh, and uh, originally, the regular YouTube app that allows you to see all the community-generated content uh, wasn't something that was on the table uh, but as a negotiating uh, tactic, Google said, well, if you uh, nix YouTube TV, if you get rid of that channel from your devices, we will move the YouTube TV service to the standard YouTube app. So if you want to cut that off, you're also going to cut off uh, the most popular video app uh, on, on the Internet, uh, you know, which is sort of a default repository for video on the internet. Uh, and it makes sense that, uh, you know, whereas Roku, whereas uh, YouTube TV is subscribed to by a relatively small number of people, uh, just about everybody watches YouTube on occasion. So that would be a far more bitter pill for Roku to swallow. Uh, and, uh, 
And so, you know, this is kind of a rare instance of uh, Roku's feet being held to the fire uh, a, a bit more. Uh, Google has had, uh, YouTube, Google has frequently used the YouTube service as a cudgel to, uh, you know, in, in negotiations. And it's just a far more powerful, uh, far, far more uh, powerful thing to, uh, to say, you know, if, if, if we don't get our way, we're, uh, we're gonna force you to yank YouTube versus say uh, NBC saying, you know, if you don't take Peacock, uh, we're going to take away you know, CNBC uh, and uh, and the Univision app. Uh, so um, so that's uh, or maybe they own Telemundo. Sorry, uh, but uh, but anyway, that's that's the nature. And so it, it looks like the ball is back in uh, Roku's court for the time being. It is interesting to see these spats developing any more. It seems like. Uh... The, the smaller companies here always are arguing that the moves are anti-competitive, uh, unfair at, at best. Um, and, and so that they're quick to, uh, to rush and, and scream that these are, you know, anti-competitive moves by, by strong monopolists that are trying to extract every, every last dollar uh, from, from these uh, smaller services. In our final story of the week, we have uh, rumors that Microsoft is planning to axe Microsoft 10X. Uh, as you recall, Microsoft Windows 10X is the operating system that uh, that Microsoft uh, alluded to, debuted, sh- showed when they were showing some of their uh, dual screen devices. This is the operating system that uh, was really designed to, um, you know, to step in and provide the the next iteration, the next generation of of operating system for dual screen PCs and and other uh, devices. Yeah, and then uh, over time, it kind of shifted uh, to be this uh, kind of Chromebook, uh, Chrome OS uh, competitor, very lightweight operating system relying on web apps, uh, and uh, really, the key thing is that it would break compatibility with um, legacy Windows applications that use something called the uh, the Win32 uh, API. And uh, whenever Microsoft has tried to do this, it's really run into a, a lot of resistance. Uh, it was an issue when they first tried to get Windows on. ARM processors with uh, Windows RT. Uh, it's been kind of a challenge with uh, their latest attempt to get uh, Windows on ARM processors uh, with um, uh, the Snapdragon uh, support. Uh, it was, uh, you know, cutting off access to a lot of those apps was also a challenge when Microsoft tried uh, marketing a separate version of Windows as Windows 10S. Uh, which only allowed you to get apps from the Windows Store, uh, and uh, and you know, in, in the name of uh, a smoother running experience, a faster running machine, a more secure machine, uh, and of course, they maintain so-called S mode in in Windows today, uh, but uh, but as a standalone operating system, it it really uh, uh, met met a lot of resistance. So. 
So that Windows 10 S uh, result is, is probably what we're looking at for Windows 10 X. I mean, maybe you'll have 10 X mode uh, in, in a future version of, of Windows that uh, starts off very lightweight, uh, but provides some way for you to access traditional apps uh, if, uh, if, you, if you need them. Uh, again, I think somewhat like S mode, the idea was to get Windows performing better on more lightweight computational uh, machines. And there had been talk about uh, virtualizing those apps. Uh, in other words, uh, maybe delivering them from the cloud uh, in order to uh, to provide their functionality, but um, but but you know the the, the war with with Chrome OS is certainly shaping up to be an interesting one. Last year, uh, Chrome OS and Chromebooks outsold Macs uh, for the first time. Not surprising, given the huge price uh, differential there. Uh, and uh, Chrome OS, you know, which started as a very simple, uh, I, I used to call it a, a case of a of a browser with megalomania. Uh, has expanded uh, to to support Android apps uh, and even Windows apps uh, through virtualization. So uh, that Chrome OS growth uh, came at the expense of Windows. Uh, I think they gained about five percentage points of share uh, versus Windows. And uh, that's the kind of thing that's going to cause Microsoft to take notice. Uh, they have uh, tried responding with kind of very lightweight, almost netbook-like Windows devices over the past few years. And that's gotten them down to a more competitive price point, but but Chromebooks uh, just own that low end. I mean, if you look at Amazon and you sort PCs from the uh, least to most expensive, uh, you're going to be flooded with uh, with Chromebooks from, from the likes of Acer and Asus uh, and HP, and even worse for Microsoft. They're move, moving upstream. You know, we're seeing them with fast processors and bigger screens uh, because really there, there's a very wide array of, of things you can do on them these days. Don't we think, though, I mean, one of the, the risks here is that these, uh, you know, to, to your point, these operating systems can become more, right? It's the innovator's dilemma. They move up the stack. So something that started like a, a Chrome OS becomes much more powerful and then over time can power m- more powerful machines and, and ends up crowding out some of the, the existing uh, operating systems in the marketplace. So if you're Microsoft, even if you're Apple, you've got to be aware that there are going to be, you know, the Chrome OS is going to continue to move up the value stack. And so you need to have something that can compete in the those lighter weight what i'll call less expensive maybe lower tier devices knowing that over time it will move up it will become more more valuable yeah i I think today uh the dividing line is about uh at at the 300 dollars price point you know which sounds very inexpensive for a pc but if you're buying them as many school districts had to over the past year for a huge number of students for for an entire school district, uh, it certainly adds up. And uh, yeah, you know, there are certainly inexpensive Windows notebooks out there. Uh, For Apple, really the answer is the iPad. You know, that's what they've been trying to use to compete against Chromebooks and uh, certainly on educational pricing, 
you can get that for about $300, but you, know, you probably want to add a, a keyboard. Uh, and so it, uh, it's, it's kind of a unique offering in that it has uh, this desktop browser capability, which is so important for uh, accessing so much information on, on the web and representing it accurately, but it can also run most Android uh, applications. So if you have a touchscreen device, uh, it works uh, decently uh, as a tablet, uh, certainly uh, with, with a better tablet experience than, than a MacBook or you know, Windows uh, computer. So, uh, so it's, you know, it's certainly not always uh, the most uh, elegant arrangement, but uh, certainly the, the price has been very attractive and the flexibility is very attractive. Well, that wraps it up for this week's episode of Techspansive. Thanks so much for joining us for what is episode 98. We've got, uh, <laughs> the countdown begins. We've got uh, exciting things coming in future episodes, so we encourage you to stay tuned and uh, look forward to those. Uh, again, I'm Sean Dubrovac. You can find me on Twitter at Sean Dubrovac. And I'm Ross Rubin. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Rubin. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>